0: Welcome to PhotoActive, a podcast about photography and technology. I'm Kirk McElhern. And I'm Jeff Carlson. You can find show notes, including any photos we discuss in this episode, at photoactive.co. That's photoactive.co. I'm involved in a number of podcasts, and every once in a while, I have a guest on one podcast whose circle of the Venn diagram overlaps with the Venn diagram of another podcast, Today I'm happy to welcome S.J. Watson, Steve Watson, who is an author, who I interviewed on the Right Now with Scrivener podcast a few months ago. If you don't know Scrivener, it is kind of like Photoshop for creative writing. Like it has a million features, but it's really great if you're a creative writer. Um, And Steve, when we were talking, he mentioned that he uses photography, he uses his camera, goes out and does street photography as a way of kind of inspiring his writing. So I thought that would be interesting to talk about. So Steve… Thank you for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, it's quite nice to not be talking about writing for a change. Exactly. We'll, sure we <laughs> we'll, we'll briefly talk about – well, we'll talk about the inspiration for writing. First, um, Steve is the author of Before I Go to Sleep, which has sold – Three and a half billion copies in 175 languages was made into a major motion picture with Nicole Kidman and Colin Firth, and it was his first novel. And as I mentioned in the podcast where we talked about it, it's like being struck by lightning. Um We won't talk about any more of that. I'll put a link in the show notes to the Scribner podcast because it really is a great story how Steve went from an audiologist at the NHS to becoming a storied writer, as they say. Yeah. Yeah. So, the, when
1: did it, the photography itch grab you? Was this before you started writing? Well, first of all, I'd like to say I wish I had sold that many copies because then I might be able to afford <laughs> the new Leica. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah, so, another thing is Steve told me he has a Leica Q2. And then I said, oh,
1: he's my man, totally. Yeah, I think it's a Q. I've got a q actually. It's not even a QT. Oh, it's I've not, not a even q q the Q2. Before. No, no, just before Q two came out, which is a bit oh, stupid well. of me. But uh, okay, uh, you're two uh, generations back. Still yeah. a wonderful camera. I'm two generations, yeah. It's it's uh, it's old. Um, so what was the question? The question was, when did you get the photography itch? Yeah, I mean, I've all I remember. You know, as a even as a as sort of I don't know, um, early teen, I suppose. I had a an SLR, and I was I was you know, I was into photography. But I don't think I hadn't. It was it was quite a long time until until before I discovered. Or realized what what sort of um area of photography I was most interested in i used to you know because i was a i used to buy amateur photography or whatever that magazine was called you know and then i wanted i'd want to go out and take beautiful Landscapes and, but, that I, but I didn't actually want to have to get up early in the morning to do that. <laughs> you know, I never
2: understood. Yeah.
1: It might sound kind of ridiculous, but I never really kind of made the link between light and photography until quite late. <laughs> um, so I, I I sort of got into it at a relatively young age, but I never felt that I'd taken a decent photo. I, I sort of, you know, I'd kind of done a lot of reading, maybe like with my writing, I'd done sort of lots of reading about you know i knew i knew my f numbers i knew shutter speeds and i knew this, this sort of principles and the theory behind uh photography and depth of field and all that kind of stuff but i but I'd, i it took me a while to find my um i was going to say my voice but that's but the equivalent i suppose the equivalent of my voice that kind of what what where the, i your style, yeah. my style yeah my style where my particular interests of photography were so yeah did you did you start so shooting so film it's, it's i mean
0: you you you're
1: younger than me but did you start shooting film yeah, I mean, we're now, now talking, yeah, we, we, this would have been the sort of mid 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 to late 80s, I suppose. So, yeah, oh, digital, okay. Digital was a long way off. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, yeah. I started
0: with film too in the, well, actually in high school in the 70s, but then in the 80s, I had a couple of Olympus cameras. Mm. But you see, then in photography, you had this period where digital cameras came out and they were crap. And yes. so, if you wanted to try them, you were getting these one megapixel photos, which seemed yeah. miraculous because you weren't paying for the film and you weren't processing it. Yeah. But they were crap until I want to say ten years ago. Is that fair?
2: Well, and they were crap and expensive, so an yes. extra bonus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So,
1: when did you switch to digital? Uh, well, I, I, I mean, I had a digital camera in about two thousand and five, but it, that that was my kind of point and shoot. Let's go on holiday camera. It wasn't. It yeah. wasn't. Anything I was even attempting to do anything even semi-serious with um and that wasn't bad it was it was an ixus i think is that that seems to ring a bell um yeah you know uh but in terms of i think i got my first digital slr oh gosh i don't uh probably not long after that actually No, actually that's for even near 2009 2010 maybe Got the canon e eos something uh yeah so that was when i got a digital slr so it was a while um, but they were, but you know, a bit like with my writing, actually, there were some quite long periods, kind of fallow periods where I didn't really um, take that many photos. Uh, so, yeah, so uh, it it was, I think, kind of, yeah, about towards the end of, the, sort of 2008, 2009, when I sort of decided I wanted to get back into my photography and went out and got a digital SLR.
2: So as part of that jump, is that something where you sort of felt like you needed to just take another step? And that's why you got a, a DSLR and moving up into like a higher, I don't know, quote level, or that just seemed like the natural progression. I want to do some photography, so I guess I need to get a DSLR.
1: Uh, I think it was probably a little bit of both. I think it was definitely felt, I think it was um, a case of I wanted, it was a a bit like, again, a bit like my writing. It was a kind of a hobby I sort of let slide a little bit. And and I would always had it on the back or something I wanted to get back into. And in and in the kind of intervening years, film had kind of large or well, was being replaced by digital. And um I think there was also a part of me that thought, Well, uh, if I go out and buy myself a a, a relatively expensive digital camera, uh, that will that will inspire me to go out and actually use it, you know. Um And did that work? To an extent, those things, I don't know about you, but for me, those things never work in quite the same way that I think they're going to. It's like when I went and bought a Peloton, I thought I'd become super fit within six months, of course. (laughs) Now I'm using it to hang my clothes on like everybody else. Um, (laughs) A bit bit better than, it was a bit better with the camera, but uh, yeah, it was, no, no, I did use it. I did use it. I started to take, I remember I I said, I remember I'd forgotten this actually. I sort of set myself a challenge that I would try and take a photo a day. I did a photo a day project. Um, which I've done since actually, but it, but the thing is, since it's kind of become more of a phone camera sort of project yeah. I, just for myself, really. But yeah, there was a, there was a year I think where I, I, I annoyingly missed one day. So, you know, for me, that, cause I'm sort of slightly, um, obsessive about certain things that kind of ruined the whole thing for me yeah and, and um, it, it's kind of interesting because you were reading this
0: photography magazine so you were seeing the ads and the reviews of the new cameras and you got prodded mm. into buying the new camera the gear acquisition syndrome that we all suffer yeah from. absolutely
1: yeah exactly um
0: and so we did an episode recently about how i sold all my fujifilm gear and my q2 monochrome and i've got one mm. camera one lens and mm. i think you know you're talking about landscape photography and not getting up early i mean i'm totally with you there um <laughs> the the idea of a lot of photographers, they see these magazines and they show, here's portraits and here's landscape and here's underwater photographer and here's macro photography. And you're tempted to try and do everything, but you have to get to a point where you realize you can't do everything. You've got to pick something.
1: Mm. Yeah, exactly. It's a little bit like with my writing. You know, I, 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 When I started writing serious, I wanted to write literary fiction and science fiction and you know, not so much romance, but it was on you know on the list, and I wanted to write crime fiction and thriller fiction, and 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 you can't you can't, but well, you can I suppose, but you can't be you can't become proficient, certainly not good, mm. and all at everything you have to choose, uh, or, or or I don't even I don't even feel like I I chose it, kind of almost feels like. You know, in both um, my decision to write psychological thrillers and my decision to pursue street photography, felt like that was it was when I hit upon that this is what I love and this is what I really enjoy, and and made the decision to to forget about landscape, for, to forget about formal portraiture at any you know, and, and to just pursue the one, the one, um, the one, the one field. Uh, you know, that made a big difference.
0: I think this is a process we have to go through. That unless mm. you 're going to spend your entire life going to the local camera club and trying to do every type of photography you're going to things are going to go through a funnel and get filtered, and you'll find the ones that speak to you right i, I think so yeah. yeah
1: and i don't think i don't think you i mean you can you can become proficient obviously at lots of different things but there's i think there's the kind of passion that you need if you're really going to get good at at uh you know i still Bob, well, and also basically i still don't like getting up in the morning to go out and take landscapes <laughs> you know, so. yeah. i think you know there, there, i mean a lot a lot of the skills, again like writing a lot of the skills are transferable obviously you know uh, the other week my um my my parents asked me if i'd go and take some photos of the grandkids you know my my uh, stepbrother's kids because uh yeah because it's nice to have nice photos and i sort of feel like you know they're not they weren't i wouldn't um say I'm a portrait photographer and start to you know kind of sell my uh sell myself on that but I think they were better than than they would have been had I not you know been into photography and and explored other areas they were they were they were better than they would have been otherwise but you know um because obviously a lot of the principles are the same and a lot of the you know the ideas about composition and light and you know all the stuff that we know about but yeah it was important to kind of um yeah it was it was when I sort of discovered street photography as my thing, and also for me it's also i mean maybe we'll come on to this i don't know, but it's also street photography absolutely pushes me outside my comfort zone. Much more than getting up in the morning does actually. It's much more. It's much more of a of a, um, a wrench for me, but it's a, in a healthy way, I think. So yeah.
0: Well, especially you've got a twenty eight millimeter lens, so you've got to get relatively mm. close to people. Mm. Um, I, I'm not the kind of person who can go up to someone and say, "Excuse me, can I take your photo?" That would mm. be totally, you know, I, I would hide in a under a rock before mm. doing that. <laughs> um, but when you have that kind of a wide angle, you still have to be close to people. And you have to make it look like you're not a creep taking photos, right? Mm. Yeah.
1: And I don't, yeah, I don't really know how to do that. (laughs) I mean, I have never been beaten up or attacked or threatened or even only one time has someone, um, you know, kind of quite verbally aggressively reacted to me taking a photo of them. And even then, I think it was because they thought I was videoing them, which I wasn't. But, but the thing is, with a real um,
0: camera, it's different than with a cell phone. If someone's mm, just looking with a cell mm, phone, like they're just taking a video because they're on holiday, then no one says anything. But when they see a real camera, that's that's like big equipment. You know, like in those movies in the 30s and the 40s, those big press cameras with the big flashes.
1: That's yeah, what it looks like yeah. to people now. Yeah, but conversely, I think that kind of works the other way. I think if I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't – Walk up to close to somebody and take a photo with my phone. That that feels, to me, I mean, this is ridiculous and perhaps even counterintuitive. I don't know, but it that feels much more invasive to me. And mm. if someone did that with me, they pointed their camera phone at me and, and took a picture. I'd probably be quite uh, well. I don't know. I would I would be sort of slightly concerned about what they were doing or what they'd seen or if you know. Yeah. But weirdly, when you have a, you know a camera because that's basically not that many people carry cameras around with them anymore you it's know. pretty um, rare yeah. it's relatively yeah. unusual because people do rely on their camera phones. so um yeah so i think when you point uh, you know a, a, a camera at somebody uh weirdly they sort of they imagine oh you must be a photographer and therefore you know you're not a creep i suppose yeah <laughs> it's interesting because i think I, I although i rarely do ask people i usually just i i, I kind of i don't really like m- my particular interest is not in kind of form um even even it's not portraiture even street street portraiture it's more kind of candid um shots so but it, but when i do ask people if it's okay if i take their photos it's very unusual that people say no um, you know, especially, you know, some people look a bit strange and they look a bit uh, perplexed. And then I'll just say, well, it's because I really like what you're wearing or I think you've got a really interesting look or you've got a great sense of style. Or, you know, usually it's as long as people realise, as soon as people realise it's not because you think that they're, they look stupid or they look ridiculous or they're, you know, doing something weird. People, generally speaking, in my experience, are quite happy to have their photo taken. But of course, then they look at the camera and smile, which is not really what I want. Yeah,
2: right, right. (laughs) I mean, it's interesting that that because cell phones are now so prevalent, that having a real camera, oops, sorry, having a non-cell phone camera, it kind of legitimizes the fact that, oh, you must be doing something that's more deliberate. And like you are a photographer, therefore, you must know what you're doing has like that sort of air
1: yeah i think so
2: i think so yeah so was there a point like can you remember maybe like a day or a specific situation when street photography was the thing
1: i I don't know if it was a i can pinpoint a day but it it, you know it was kind of a it was a gradual um kind of you know the 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 plane was lumbering down the runway and I, i just realized that i was these were the the shots I was really enjoying in other people, you know, when I was looking at other people and some of that, I'm just talking about looking at Instagram. They're the people I follow on Instagram, for example, who were doing like really, um, you know, the candid street photography that I enjoy. And I I, I kind of then started um, reading a lot about, you know, hints and tips because for me, it was the fear, it was a fear thing. It was about walking up someone and taking their photo, walking near someone and take their photo. Um, So, I was kind of reading lots of advice about how to counteract that and different things to try. And, you know, um, but it wasn't until I, I did a, I did a, my, my now ex-partner bought me a, um, a course for my, it was just a one day course for my birthday. I met a group of uh, aspiring street photographers in London and we all went round and there were two, two guys who were uh, tutoring it. And we, and, 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 the, the interesting, I'd done courses, before but the interesting thing about that course it wasn't so much geared at you know this is how you set your camera up but there was a bit of that there was a bit of you know um you know the settings to be able to mean that you, you know you can get it in focus I can't remember the phrase now but you know when you the range distance. kind of that's the one yeah so there's a bit of that and and, and but it was more about here are some tips and tricks to actually either not be observed as you take photos or to, to or to make people or to help people to understand that you're not in it, You're not being threatening. I you know. Um, I remember they sort of said, right, we'll meet back here in 15 minutes or something. And I, and I want you all to have taken, I don't know, 300 shots. in I can't remember exactly what the figures were, but you know, it was like, just go out and take a lot of photos. So it was that, it was that course, which really, uh, I think, pushed me over over the the the, the, um, the mental hurdle, I suppose, really of just being too scared to go out and do it um, mm. in anything other than a very kind of long lens kind of, and that, that's also, I think, is a slightly creepier. You know, if you see someone way in the distance with a long lens taking your photo, it feels a bit like, "What are you doing?" You know, it this looks like really- a cop on a stakeout, right? Yeah, exactly. Whereas actually, <laughs> yeah. if, you a, if you have a you know a short focal, shorter focal length lens and go up to, quite close to somebody, it feels weirdly less invasive, perhaps. Anyway, I'm waffling, but essentially, yeah, it was that course that kind of pushed me into the next, the next phase of actually stop not reading about the theory and starting to go out and actually do it.
0: If I recall correctly, in the the other podcast, you told me that sometimes you go out with your camera just to get a break from writing or to get inspiration.
1: Yeah, well, it it was never, um, and it still isn't actually. It was never um, a deliberate. I'm going to go out to look for inspiration. It was. It was certainly the very at the beginning. It was much more. Uh, Sort of, um, I need a break from sitting at my desk uh, and staring at a computer and 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 working with words, uh, you know. And and so I'm going to go out. And at the time I was living in London, I'm going to go out into the streets of London and you know get the tube to a particular area where I think it might be kind of fertile hunting ground, if you like. And and just do a bit of photography just to get myself out of the house and to get myself moving. And and you know, but it was very. Um, it wasn't very long until I realized that that the, the two the two disciplines or the two creative areas were kind of feeding each other in a in a way that I hadn't expected. I, I did think it was just going to be a, a not a distraction, but a you know a just a hobby, something that wasn't work, that was creative but not work. That was that was that was the way I went into it. and still do actually. That was the way I still do kind of see it. it's a creative ass outlet for me, but it's not. A creative outlet that has become a job that I need to or want to make my living from. But you know, so it was a not, it was a really great, uh, wonderful surprise when I realised that actually it wasn't just a distraction; it was also helping me. Have you ever taken a picture
0: of someone and thought, "That's my character," or "That's <laughs> my
1: next character"? um not not in that kind of way no but i do i think probably when i'm writing there are certain people i remember maybe there were even shots that I, I never kind of um decided were worthy i mean i keep them all but were worthy of kind of you know because as you i'm sure you obviously know there's a lot of discarded rubbish when you're taking street photographs and relatively few of them actually work on any kind of level so there are some. There are some, when I'm writing. You know, I will sometimes think. I think I'm thinking of this guy or this woman or this, you know, this person. Um, and it's not even necessarily a shot that was particularly successful.
0: Yeah. Uh,
2: mm-hmm.
1: You know, or it can what? even be um, a tattoo that someone's got that's just like, okay, that's a. It. it kind of just, it just kind of opens up. A thought a thought. I think it just opens up an internal dialogue with my with my or a monologue with myself, I suppose, about about well, who is this person? What is their life like? And that just it's just um, it's more of a a kind of habit i suppose of of being reminding myself to ask questions and make up the answers which is quite creative i would think that as
0: a writer going out with a camera with the intention of taking photos just turns on your observational radar and that can mm. be really useful to see things that you wouldn't ordinarily see which you're then going to put down on paper whether it's people or places or actions or whatever
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's, it's a training, it's a training thing. It's a kind of, it develops that or, or keeps, keeps that muscle kind of uh, healthy that being out in the world, but actually trying, trying to see it on a, on a, on a, maybe on a deeper level perhaps of try. you know, I'm always looking for the, the tiny details that tell the story, I suppose, which is for me is true of both writing fiction and also Um, street photography.
2: Do you find that after doing so, your descriptions as you write are more detailed or maybe more uh, fed from the photography? Or is it all more just sort of a letting your brain be creative in a bunch of different ways and feeding that into what you're working on
1: i think i think it's probably close to the latter it doesn't it doesn't feel that i'm necessarily more descriptive or more may- maybe i find it easier to look for the unusual way of describing something or the unusual detail that can tell an awful lot more than you might expect you know when i'm described whether i'm describing a person or a street or a tree you know um mm-hmm. it's it's the tiniest detail which perhaps I, and maybe it's maybe i'm it's it helps with that it's but it's it's not it doesn't feel quite so literal it feels more of a, of a it's kind of an, an absorbing of stuff which i then kind of on some level process and it comes out sometime later in in a way that's not sort of a literal kind of regurgitation, if that makes sense. But it doesn't have like, to yeah. be conscious. It's it's yeah. just
0: that you, one part of your brain is doing this visual thing, and the other part is doing the word thing. And I know that they've debunked the whole left brain right brain idea. But don't
2: tell
1: it that because I tell everyone that. Oh. <laughs> no,
0: no, I've read a lot of stuff lately. It's not true. Um, but, but part of your brain is doing one thing and part is doing another thing. So your brain is processing things differently. On the one hand, it's processing what you see. And on the other hand, it's processing what you imagine
1: to convert it into words. Yeah well I mean one of the things I I think about 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 um when you think about it, it's it's kind of obvious in a way that street photography and and writing fiction would kind of feed each other because I mean this is a very simplified way of thinking about it but with writing I'm trying to use a story to create images and with photography I'm trying to use images to create a story so it kind of is common sense, if in a way that these two things would, in a kind of virtuous feedback loop, would would kind of feed each other. So, yeah. But I think, like a lot of things, it's I don't necessarily want to question why too much because yeah, it becomes a kind of conscious thing. Yeah. Are you a purchaser or and or collector of photo books? Uh, I, well, I wouldn't say I was a collector. I do, and I don't purchase that many anymore. But I do, I do have a, a, a few that I I like to look at and just. But but the problem with the- <laughs> The problem is a bit like when I read a great novel, I'm like, Oh, damn, you know, I thought I was good. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the same, it's the same well, if I get but. what I find is is if I spend a
0: lot of time looking at the work of a photographer, then the next time I go out, I can see the world the
1: way they do, right? Mm,
0: maybe, I yeah. see what they're capturing, and then my brain is attuned to that. Mm.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Maybe, maybe what I should do is just kind of immerse myself in one, yeah, you know, who's. Choose one photographer and then just immerse myself in their work for a while.
0: Yeah. There are some particularly yeah. good street photographers. While you were talking just before I looked up, um, there's a book I want to recommend to you. It's called The Street Philosophy of Gary Winogrand. It's right. 100 photos by Gary Winogrand with text by Jeff Dyer. And what's huh? fascinating is he's imagining who the characters are. And sometimes you have a character in photo number 12, and then in photo number 45, he said, this is the same character as before, but in a different place. He's making these stories about it. Unfortunately, it's out of print. And this is the problem with photo books. They don't I, stay in print very often. So you've really got to catch the them when they come out,
1: well, I mean, um, I love Dyer's work and I love Winogrand's photography, so that's would be that feels like a well. You should. Look, do I not know about this book? <laughs> it was published by, I think, the
0: University of Texas Press, so it wasn't right. it wasn't well distributed. It looks like 2018. I see a Guardian article mentioning it, which is how I found out about it. Oh, right. um, but that's the kind of book for me that marries the idea of the image in the words. Yeah. Um definitely. because as you say, you know, you you like Di- uh, Winogrand and Dyer and I both I think they're both wonderful um mm. you know, people in their particular crafts but putting them together even though it's on I mean Winogrand's dead he's been dead for a while so there's no agreement on this mm. in, in a way it's like I'm going to mention one of my favorite books of all time, which is Zona by Jeff Dyer. It's a Mm. book about um, Tarkovsky's film Stalker, where he Mm. analyzes it, and it's just such a strange book. Like sometimes he's talking about the film, sometimes he's talking about his experience, and you can get that from images. You can extrapolate a lot. And anyway, if you can find a copy of this wonderful book, really worth getting.
2: Uh, Yeah, I'll definitely have a look for that. Yeah. One last thing on the on the street photography. Do you find yourself using it in a documentary way? Like I need. I know that I need need to have a character at this tube stop and they need to go from here to there. And I'm just going to go and shoot. So you can describe accurately. They come out of the underground and there's a fountain on the right or something like that. Like, do you use it in that manner? I don't know. No, no, not at
1: all. No, (laughs) I I have never done that. I mean, I'm, I'm more likely if I need that, because I would, I would be more likely to go to the tube station with my camera phone. um, Mm my phone camera and um yeah, and, and take just shots of, oh, there's a fountain there, take a shot of that fountain. But it, it's, yeah. it's a weird thing is it's, it's, it's not, it's really, it's not really about just that this fountain is physically there. It's, it's kind of trying to get to, well, what is it about that fountain? What is it? Why have I noticed that? You know, what is it that's, is it the sound of it? Is it the atmosphere it gives the street? So um yeah, so it's more about, I'm much more likely to actually go weirdly to go there with my notebook than I am with my um mm. like that but it's a, they i i the two things are, are much more more kind of separate and the way, but the way that they the way that they influence each other is much more of a kind of um synergistic way i suppose than a literal kind of you know, i need a character who who's um you know on top of this hill so i'll go to this hill and find someone do you yeah. ever go out with your camera and your notebook or is are they mutually exclusive um I- they're not mutually exclusive in that I've, I've i almost always have a notebook often okay. i'm using the notes app on my phone but i've, yeah. I've always got yeah. some some way of taking notes with me um but i think it, it does feel like i've made and maybe this is one of the reasons why i think it's a it's a healthy thing for me to do it it does feel like i make the decision you know for these three hours i'm i'm taking photos i'm not you know and maybe that's also <laughs> one of the way, reasons i love it is because it is one of the few times i actually more or less switch off the author part of my brain um because otherwise there's a, I think it's also a Jeff Dyer Dye quote actually about the thing about being a writer is you're always at work and you're always on holiday and it's <laughs> kind of true you know even <laughs> day off and I'm down the pub with my mates or whatever I, I'm still like there's a bit, a bit of me thinking oh oh but that that plot point I'm about to reach I wonder if I should you know <laughs> it's, it's always there um apart from when I'm asleep or taking photos so Well, at a minimum, when you're
0: taking photos, it's still there subconsciously. Mm. You know, like all the writers who've talked about taking walks helps them resolve things. Uh, In some ways, you're doing that. You're taking walks, but you're also doing something else at the same time to spur something else in your brain.
1: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think there is something about that. There is something about it by, by... Like keeping keeping my brain occupied, so I'm not relaxing, but mm. I'm also not focusing on the problem I've got with my writing work. I've, I'm not consciously trying to figure out this plot point or figure out this problem I've got, it's, but my brain is active. I think, yeah, it's true that, you know, I get home, put the camera down, and then it's like that's when it's, I'm, you know, making a cup of tea or whatever, and that's when it will pop into my head the solution that I've been looking for to my, to my writing problem. But I think that's one of the reasons I love photography as well, because, I mean, partly perhaps because I'm not, it's not something i make a living from or even aspire to it's purely creative it just me it's it's kind of if i go out for an afternoon and i come back and i i've taken no photos i like or not or even the ones i thought were good have turned out that they're not you know for whatever reason it doesn't feel like a soul destroying as as you know if i if i upload if, you know if i look at the work the writing work i did last week and think oh god this is shit yeah, that's kind of like, that can be quite depressing, but I, photography is a purely positive thing. So if it doesn't work, it doesn't matter.
0: Yeah. Know?
1: Yeah. It's Purely me and the camera and the people. It's not, no one, I don't have an editor. I don't have a magazine that's needing these shots by Tuesday, you know?
0: Okay. SJ Watson uh, link in the show notes to the Right Now with Scribner episode where people can find out all about your writing and how you got struck by lightning. Link in the show notes to your website, to your new podcast, which is Let's Get Lit.
1: Let's Get Lit,
0: yeah. link to The Experiment, which is a project that you're working on creating a first, well, a zero draft or a first draft and putting it out there in public, warts and all. Yeah. And I'm sure I'll find a few other links before I'm finished. Thank Steve, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. It's been really fun to talk. Thanks.
2: Thank you. OK, Jeff, snapshots. What have you got today? My snapshot is a brand new app called Call Sheet. Uh, Call Sheet Find Casting Crew. It's by Casey Liss, who's also a podcaster and iOS developer. And let me set the stage. When I am watching TV or movies – I will frequently want to go to IMDb and find out oh, who's that actor or what other movie has this director done to such an extent that I think the AI stuff in my phone just knows that when I do a search between say like 5 and 9 p.m. in the evening IMDb app comes up straight away. And that's fine but the IMDb app is it's kind of cluttered and there's ads and you know it's Amazon owns it and therefore they want to push everything and what Call Sheet is it has the same types of information without the clutter and it's fast it's free with in-app purchases a yearly subscription is nine dollars or you can do monthly for one dollar but if it's the type of information that you access a lot and you just don't want that friction it's a really good choice. Kirk what do you have?
0: I have a new Michael Kenna, and it's not a book this time.
2: You have Michael is Kenna? A colo- Michael Kenna's there yeah, with well, you?
0: <laughs> he, he's in the other room. Okay. One. It's a colotype portfolio containing seven of Michael Kenna's signature works. A colotype is described as a photomechanical flat printing process used to produce varying tones and shades. The process involves coating a glass plate in a gelatin solution and over that a light-sensitive dichromate gelatin, which is left to dry at around 50 degrees Celsius. It's a very old old process is created in 1855. It's not used very often. Um, but there is a company in Japan called BenRido, B-E-N-R-I-D-O, that makes these portfolios of colotype prints of a number of different photographers. They have one with photos by Saul Leiter. They have a lot of Japanese photographers. They have the French photographer, Robert Roineau. Um, they even have some limited edition portfolios. This is relatively affordable. I think I paid 80 pounds for it. Uh, again, it's only seven photos, but they're about – I'm not going to open the portfolio. They're about five inches square, so it's smaller than the print that Michael Kenna makes. Um, but it's the kind of thing where – I want to get a couple of frames and frame some of these and put four of them on a wall in one place or something like that. They're really nice. These minimalist prints of Michael Kenna's photos of Hokkaido in northern Japan, which you love so much, where you've got the snow and the trees and the 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 really quiet settings. Um, so it's just called Michael Kenna Hokkaido 2020 Colatai Portfolio. Link in the show notes. Um, I got it from Photo Bookstore in the UK. You could order it from Ben Rido in Japan. Um, I think these are open editions so it's likely not going to go out of print the same way a book would Uh, in the sense that a book you're printing 250 pages you have to print all the pages and that's expensive whereas here they're printing 7 prints maybe they do 20 and then they do another 20 in 2 or 3 months or whatever they need so um, all of the ones that I've seen from them seem to be in print so sounds lovely it is it's quite nice (laughs) All right. until next time until next time Jeff Thanks for listening to Photoactive. You can find show notes, including any photos we discuss in this episode, at photoactive.co. That's photoactive.co. We couldn't afford the M. You can join our Facebook group at facebook.com groups photoactivecast. That's photoactivecast in one word. You can subscribe to Photoactive in your favorite podcast app or on Apple Podcasts. See the links on our website. And think about leaving us a rating or review in iTunes or in your podcast.